BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. I hope you're all having an amazing week already. I am so excited to be dropping this episode today because we are really talking to a true trailblazer today. She is someone who has identified a serious void in a male-dominated market and is working tirelessly to bring more sports news to females everywhere. Crazy statistics. Did you know that less than 14% of sports journalists are female? Or that less than 4% of sports coverage is on female athletes? In 2019, Ellen Heislop and her two co-founders co-founded The Gist after noticing that there wasn't a hub for female sports lovers to come together. The result, a newsletter that provides a fresh and fun perspective on sports delivered straight to your inbox. Today, they have over 700,000 subscribers who loyally read their four times a week sports and news newsletter, three times a week women's sports biz newsletter, and listen to their podcast, The Gist of It. In this episode, Ellen and I got to sit down and talk about the crazy newsletter boom that we're in and its impact on her business and why her and her co-founders decided to go the newsletter route. We also talked about her best hack for getting new subscribers and a really amazing story that her and her co-founders have about a party that they did that initially got them their first 500 subscribers overnight. We also talk about the lack of visibility for sports and women and where we need progress. Plus, she gives us a few amazing talent in the sports industry that we should be following now. I hope you guys love today's episode. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you follow us, rate, and leave a review. Thanks so much for tuning in and have an incredible week ahead. Here's my friend, Ellen Heislop. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. I'm so excited to have you on. I absolutely love your business and obviously everything you guys are doing. So I'm so excited to have you. Oh, likewise. I am a big newsletter person. I always have. For my listeners that like have followed my newsletter, I've gone like in and out of waves of doing it. But I am subscribed to so many. It's actually become my like favorite way of getting news or pop culture information. I just think especially now in an era era where I think we're very like personality driven, we follow for me, I follow writers more than I follow magazines. A newsletter for me is like the greatest way to just like digest information. I totally agree with you with newsletters too. I think they're personalized. And I think that one-to-one relationship in an inbox is so important. And I feel like with millennials and Gen Zs, we expect brands and people and our favorite writers and journalists and what have you to meet us where we already are. And I think the biggest thing with an email or text or social media is that 
email is not dead. We're being forced to be in our email because of work and personal things literally all the time. So it feels like something special in your inbox and as opposed to something like, oh, I have to action this item from my boss. It's like you could get really excited about special newsletters from your favorite brands, from your favorite writers, what have you. That's a great way of putting it because I do feel like there's the opposite debate of why would I want another email in my inbox? But I do think we have to like bring a little bit of joy to the inbox. You know what I mean? It can't always be work. It can't always be like dreadful things. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, uh, depending on the newsletters that you subscribe to, right? The gist, for example, it is very personalized. So our newsletter is four times weekly. It's regionalized to whether you're in Canada, whether you're in the US, but we also have city specific content. So for yourself in LA, we have a certain LA newsletter versus New York versus Chicago so that you can really stay up to date on what's going on in sports in a way that's really curated to you. And I think too, with that, like refreshing female voice and perspective, there's, it's totally different than what you're seeing on cable when you're thinking about sports, or it's totally different than what you're seeing in the industry altogether in terms of voices being centered in media. And I think that's why so many women in particular are flocking to the newsletter medium and all of these different types of ways to actually be able to connect with writers and connect with people uh, because it feels like a community. It feels like a really special way to learn about something that you care about. So you have two other co-founders. How did the three of you even begin to start The Gist? Yes. So my two other co-founders are JC and Rosalyn. And the three of us met at college. So we all did business school, met in our first year. We're friends throughout the entire time. And yes, I am Canadian. So I'm saying first year instead of freshman. But we met in our freshman year and had stayed really close friends after school. We all moved down to Toronto and we're working on Bay Street, so kind of the Wall Street equivalent working in financial services, all three of us, which were all kind of in very male dominated spaces. And the idea for the just came about super organically, actually. So one night we got together over some takeout and white wine at Rosalind's apartment. I had actually just torn my ACL from playing soccer, so I couldn't walk or run or do anything. So couldn't see JC and Rosalind in the ways that I normally would. Ros and I played soccer together, JC and I Went out to a lot of bars together, so I wasn't doing any of that. And just in an organic conversation, I started talking about the Leafs and the NHL. Of the three of us, I am a massive sports fan, always have been, always thought that I'd end up in sports one way, but somehow ended up in financial services. And I just kind of started going off about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the win that they had the night before and why it was such a big deal and why I was so stoked that they were in the playoffs. And both JC and Roslyn grew up playing sports. They had favorite teams. They liked getting engaged in the playoffs, but both of them were like, wow, this was the most enjoyable sports conversation that I've ever had. I actually feel engaged and interested in sports and I've never felt this way before. And I kind of said, yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are casual fans, men, women, what have you kind of texting me about their fantasy or they're going to a game and they're taking out a client or they're going with their family to watch the Raptors or what have you and just kind of giving them what's going on. And we kind of had a light bulb moment in that conversation because it was kind of like if JC and Roslyn are experiencing that and then probably so many other people are who are feeling a little bit disenfranchised and disengaged from that male-dominated, often white, cis, male-dominated, traditional sports media landscape. And how could we change that? You tackle a pretty big mission that I find to be twofold. One, I feel that you're addressing just the lack of 
women in sports awareness in general, the lack of coverage, the lack of media coverage, but two, just the lack of women in sports, period. And I'm curious to hear what you feel comes first. I feel like that's kind of a chicken and the egg problem. What's your experience in dealing with that? Because I can imagine that that's a heavy mission to carry that you often probably come in conflict with. You totally nailed it. I feel like it's it's definitely chicken and the egg, but I feel like there's there's a lot of history to this too, right? In terms of when women were allowed to play sports, right. when women were allowed to cover sports, when women were allowed in the locker rooms and in the change rooms as journalists, especially so only 14% of sports journalists are female. Less than 4% of sports coverage is on women's sports and female athletes. Wow. And less than 1% of endorsement money goes to female athletes. And to your point, all of those go hand in hand. So our entire team is women. We cover 50-50 men's and women's sports. We feel like it's really important because women love men's sports. Men love women's sports and vice versa. It's certainly twofold. I do think that having women in media is going to help out that 4% coverage part. I think when we see that percentage increase, we're going to see better perspectives in sports in general, whether that's on women's and men's sports, but also we know that you have to see it to be it. And female journalists are, I feel like, going to be able to call out their respective media industries to be like, hey, why aren't we talking about women's soccer? Why aren't we talking about women's hockey, et cetera, et cetera. So I I do think that having women in the workplace and more women in sports comes first so that we can then increase that 4% stat. So I'm not a big sports girl in general, but I am a big journalist girl. And I'd love to hear if, love it, for me, if there's someone right now that I should follow that is a female journalist in sports, who should it be? Yes. So obviously the gist. Obviously um, the gist. <laughs> the first one, obviously. I really like Ari from Leecher Report, but she has her own kind of Twitter following. She's big on the WNBA beat, and her biggest thing is just kind of like getting people into the WNBA, people appreciating women's basketball from the college side all the way up to the professional side. So she would be like my go-to Twitter follow for the WNBA specifically and then I'd say if Meg Linehan from The Athletic on the soccer side of things she covers the NWSL pretty deeply but again this is this is something that I find with just media in general and like sports Twitter in general no matter what sport it it is very deep you know what I mean like there is some sort of expectation that you're already obsessed with and on top of every single thing that's going on in the beat to really right it's like difficult to join the fandom enjoy it right exactly exactly and I feel like that's something that we're trying to to break down and to get away from and to be like here's the context here's the so what so that you can actually enjoy it and feel engaged and a part of that that conversation so that's that's my own gripe I guess you could say with uh, sports twitter and twitter in general I'm really fascinated just hearing you kind of talk about the way that you are fashioning the newsletter, especially earlier when you were talking about the fact that you find that both female and male sports should be talked about in the same cadence. And as someone who's had a ton of brand builders on the show, something that often comes up is, you know, building a brand voice. And especially if the brand knows that they're catered towards women, they know that they're going to maybe share information and share their product in a different way. And I wonder for you how you would describe the voice of the gist and 
as someone who is, has cultivated a brand and a, and a community around female sports, if you feel like it's different? Great question. It's actually something we were hosting some interviews yesterday for some new writers to come on board. And we were asking them, how would you explain the Just Voice? So I, I think really the biggest thing of, with the Just Voice is that we want you to feel like you are talking to your witty, sports-obsessed best friend who you feel comfortable with. We want the voice to be conversational, pithy, a little bit sassy, and have an opinion on topics that sometimes the traditional sports landscape is uh, a little bit more nervous about. And I think when you're talking about a brand, definitely when we're thinking about our ideal kind of customer persona or our target market, it is an on-the-go professional millennial and Gen Z woman who has some sort of a level of interest in sports, whether that's just like a tiny small interest and they're just getting into maybe playoff basketball or they're five out of five interested in hockey, whatever level we feel like the gist is for them. That said, we have learned over the years that as much as that is our, you know, person who we're speaking with, that doesn't mean that it's not resonating with other folks. The majority of our audience are women, so over 80%, but we have so many men who are engaged with the gist it's amazing and we have so many of them reaching out to us being like i have learned so much about women's sports i'm now a massive women's sports fan or hey i never thought about the nfl in this way and how they deal with their domestic policies in a really alarming and discouraging way and how that could impact female fans so there's there's a lot of benefit for yes speaking to someone who's in your target market, but that doesn't mean that other people aren't going to like it as well along the way. You have close to half a million subscribers, which is really, really crazy and an incredible feat for a newsletter. What is your best hack for getting new subscribers? There's been a few things that we've tried over the years that have totally bombed. And then there's been a few things that have just really skyrocketed us in terms of our audience. I would say for folks who are starting a new newsletter, let's say like they're just getting into the space, we actually launched with a party and it was amazing and so much fun. And we had so many subscribers overnight. So essentially what we did is we partnered with a bunch of local brands around Toronto and said, hey, we're going to be having this party with 200 people. Could you provide us with free alcohol, free food, swag bags, a free place to host it, what have you. And you're going to be getting access to this really cool community that's between, you know, the ages of 20 and 32. And all of these brands were like, yeah, this sounds great. You guys have an awesome mission. Let's, let's try it out together. And all you Smart. had to do to come to this party was join on Eventbrite, which obviously then we had your email. So you had to subscribe. So we automatically had 200 subscribers right away. And because we made it like you want to be at this event. Everyone's going to be here, free food, free alcohol, what have you. Everyone was stoked to give their email. But then also while we were there, we said, hey, we're new. We would love for every single one of you to be able to share this with two or three people before we launch. We need help. So we started with 150 to 200 people coming to that launch party. And within three days, we had 500 subscribers right off the top without even sending out an email. That's so amazing. that was something that was really fun as well and like got our word out there and really engaged our community right away that was local so those those 500 subscribers are still some of our our best readers today which is fun and then as you scale i think you know we're always still learning about what's hitting on facebook and instagram and tiktok and 
LinkedIn and Twitter and definitely that that paid social category is important. Guerrilla marketing and PR has been huge for us as well. And then we've also just been trying to balance high volume channels versus like kind of lower quality subscribers. And what we have done is found some really great contesting platforms and we call them co-registration platforms that bring on tens of thousands of subscribers. We onboard those subscribers and we have something in the background that basically says if they don't open their first nine emails, they're automatically churned off our list so that we can keep our list really healthy so that we continue to have high open rates and click rates. And that's been- Because that brings your metrics down. Exactly. Yeah. So we, those, those really bring your metrics down. So those high volume ones, like you want to keep all the subscribers because you bring on so many, but then sometimes they're just in it for the contest or they don't even like recognize what they're signing up for. And that's not what we want. We want a really, really healthy list. That's always going to be above industry standards. So using some kind of engineering hacking along the way has been awesome. It's so interesting what you were saying earlier about the event, because I have a friend who just launched an amazing furniture brand. And the day that they launched, they had a ton of support on social media. I would say like, I think that they mentioned to me like maybe around 200 people had reposted their launch. And for a brand that's just starting out, that's a lot of really great engagement. Their content was also beautiful. Their products are amazing. And the shoot that they had done to share it was immaculate, like top tier, 10 out of 10, absolutely gorgeous. However, they threw an event about maybe a week or 10 days after their launch. And they told me that they've never had more traffic to their website than they did after that event. And it's interesting, this was maybe five months ago and yours obviously was a couple of years ago. But I think despite, I think during COVID people really thought, okay, like this digital push, like social media, Facebook, all of those ads were really like the go-to and what people use. But I do think that people underestimate the power of maybe the power of FOMO and people wanting to say, oh, what was that event? My friends were there. Why weren't I there? What's this company? And if you make it look really cool, I completely agree with you that that in-person, that kind of moment where people have a physical touch point with it, in my mind, is always going to reign supreme than any digital campaign. Totally agree. It's kind of like podcasting too, right? Like you've been able to grow such a really great listenership and community around a podcast because you really feel like people know you as a host and they feel like you're their friend and they feel connected to what you're building. Right. And I feel like that in real life kind of aspect also ties in everyone who's at that event to really buying into your company and buying into your founders and your purpose because they actually have an opportunity to meet them one-on-one. It almost humanizes a brand, which is really difficult when you are a growing brand and you have to leverage all of these digital things otherwise. But it's, it's those really core consumers who are going to go to bat for you at the end of the day and really be brand loyal to you when you need it. For the people that are trying to launch a digital brand and might not have the capital or the ability to do an in-person event, if there was something <laughs> in email that was, was there something that was super successful for you guys, whether it was like a partnership or a marketing initiative that was in email that you thought, you know, really captivated your audience, really propelled you in a great direction? I love how you brought in partnerships because I think that's so key, especially, as you said, for people who don't have a lot of capital kind of at the beginning. I think that the biggest thing is really like understanding your purpose and understanding your audience and understanding who your audience is valuable to was huge for us at the beginning. And so for us, our hypothesis was that it was going to be on the go 
professional women. And we thought to ourselves, okay, who local in Toronto? Again, we started really local because we were just testing who local in Toronto wants to get in front of this audience and who is maybe having a hard time doing so and who maybe recognizes the value of them and their disposable income to a certain extent. And a couple of those partners were Lululemon as well as SoulCycle. And so we approached SoulCycle and said, hey, we're new. This is what we're all about. This is what we want to try with you. And what we wanted to try with them was for every gister that got three of their friends to sign up. So basically literally sent us an email with three of their friends email because we had no referral program or anything like that set up at that time. But for every gister that sent us an email with three of their friends email, them and those three friends got two free weeks at SoulCycle. Whoa. So everyone loves something that is free. Everyone and loves that's a free a, workout that's a major cycle at that time. Exactly. That was a major perk. And so we like sold out immediately. SoulCycle was like, you have to stop promoting that. We're, we're done. We can't let any more people from the gist come in. But it was amazing because every, almost every single person on our list ended up referring people. And I think we ended up getting, I think SoulCycle was only allowed up to like a hundred of existing gisters. So there's like 300 people that we would have got off of that one promotion. So that was really big. And then with Lululemon, they were just so amazing and so gracious with us in terms of helping us plug into their community of runners, helping us plug into their local community stores, allowing us to host events at their space for free. And they gave us that like networking opportunity, but also gave us discounts specifically for our gisters at their Queen Street store. So the same kind of thing we would say, hey, do you want 50% off of Lululemon refer this amount of friends. And Lulu knew that, you know, they're going to get some repeat customers if they allow, you know, 50% off their first time at a great brand like Lululemon. So to your point, though, it's all around partnerships and about networking and recognizing the value of your audience to other people who are really going to care about them too. I always say that when people ask me what is a really important way to grow crossovers and like overlapping audiences has been even crucial for me. We do that at Dear Media. We'll go on other people's shows and they'll come on ours and overlapping those audiences. One, I feel like I always get a new audience every time I do that. Anytime someone is asking me about growth, I'm always like, find someone that has similar interests to you and a different audience that you can build something together where your audiences will meet halfway. Totally agree. And your your audiences trust you too. So when you have such a great recommendation of a product your audience is going to really lean into that product because they love you and what you're worth and kind of the community that you're building and it selecting partners that also have that trust and that community has been so key and I think again really unique and special because not not everybody has that from a branding perspective So everyone listening is obviously going to subscribe to the gist but I feel like as someone who is in the weeds of the sports industry specifically for women, I'm wondering if there is an issue or a new story in the female sports industry right now that you would want to bring attention to for our listeners to get involved in. I think that, you know, coming back to those numbers that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, I always get the jaw drop face like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Because there's there's a pay gap that we're all used to in corporate America. And then there's the pay gap of men and women's sports, which is essentially 100 to one, like the highest paid WNBA player can get paid 500k, the lowest paid 
NBA player who doesn't even start generally their contract is around like 7 million. So oh my it, God. it's really wild. The disparity that you see from like an average contract size of that, like 7 million to like 400,000 basically. So I think um, that's kind of one thing that I always like to just bring up and highlight is we have so, we have so much to go on the sports side of things, similar to women in tech and, and that side of things as well. I think what's been so exciting and good though that I would like to bring up is just this name, image, and likeness opportunity that we're seeing in college sports altogether. So basically this last year, the NCAA finally said that these athletes can earn money off of their name, image, and likeness. So essentially sponsorships, and they weren't able to do that beforehand. So the NCAA was earning millions and millions and millions of dollars and revenue off of these athletes who are making the money for them. And the majority of those athletes that they were benefiting off of were BIPOC athletes as well as female athletes. And the second sport that is doing the best to football is women's basketball in terms of name, image, and likeness of the top five players that were in March Madness. Four of those players were women in terms of who were earning the most off of NIL. And so I think to me, that just really shows like the value of female athletes and the value of women's sports and also for brands and for people who are looking to get into sports and who are looking to sport to support female athletes. Women are just the best, like in general, we're so Agreed. multifaceted. And I feel like these women are never just like just athletes. Like you look at Serena Williams and you're like, oh, she is is the greatest tennis player of all time, but she's also a businesswoman. She has a thriving 30 million, $33 million plus investment portfolio. She is also a culture icon. She has a fashion brand. She is incredibly stylish. Oh, and she's also a mom and she knows all of these different types of things. And I think that's what the coolest part about supporting female athletes and being engaged in women's sports is that you're not just like watching sports, you're watching culture happen and you're watching and learning about these athletes on and off the court. And I think that's why there's such a great business case for supporting women's sports and for supporting these female athletes specifically. So I think that's definitely a trend that we're following a lot lately in our sports business newsletter specifically. Who's your favorite female athlete? I would say from like a on field perspective, my favorite is Christine Sinclair. She is the captain of the Canadian women's national soccer team, as well as the Portland Thorns NWSL team. And she is the highest international goal scoring player of all time, men Whoa. or women. Casual. And she, she's yeah, very casual, casual, no big deal. She's kind of like the silent assassin. She leads by example. She has so much respect in the industry and Megan Rapinoe's book, like she could not speak more highly of Christine Sinclair. So I think she's she is kind of it for me from an all-round athlete's perspective. How do you see the gist manifesting more in the sports industry as we move into the future? Some things that we're learning from our audience, there's kind of three key things that we're thinking about into the future. One is college sports. They're so much fun. The U.S. is all over it. And each conference in the Power Five has such a different like personality and interests. And we're really excited to be diving into that. So we're going to be looking to launch a college sports vertical um, heading into this year's kind of football season, but then expanding, of course, as more sports continues throughout the year. So college sports is going to be huge for us. But wellness and community and mental health have 
always been a big thing for our audience, especially on our podcast side of things. Whenever we're talking about athletes and mental health, wellness, how they're taking care of their body and their mind, it's something that I feel like is really relatable to our audience. And we've been seeing and chatting with some athletes about how we can be potentially launching some sort of wellness vertical there. Of course, it'll be centered around the newsletter, but there's something there in that space that we'll be looking to move forward into 2023. And then that third piece is commerce and fashion. As as you're very passionate about, and as you said, we are currently going through a rebrand and very excited to show you when it comes out. I'm working with just this amazing agency out of New York and are, are incredibly stoked about it. And so we are hopefully going to be getting a little bit more into that like commerce and community aspect and really leveraging this community that we've built to be able to better provide consistent merchandise over the next year or so. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on. It was so interesting and fascinating to hear all about this. I know that my audience, we haven't done a ton of sports episodes, so I'm so excited to be able to bring this to them, especially one that's so female-based. And as a woman yourself building an incredible company, I'm really, really excited to get this episode out. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It was uh, so much fun, and I hope people enjoyed it and, and learned something along the way too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.